Welcome to Bowties in Business, where a fashionable nerd and knowledge meet. Regardless of whether your career is just starting, steady, or stalling, join me and a collection of business and thought leaders who are experts in their field as they share their decades of first-hand real-world experience from the ground floor to the executive suite and every corner of the business world. Hi, you're listening to Tim Kubiak, and this is a special edition of Bowties in Business. It's the first of what will definitely be three and might become four episodes where we're going to talk about the gig economy. Today's topic is leaving the driver stranded, the deafening silence on the gig economy. So with that, most of the world is shut down. Governments are doing their best to save lives and or intentionally destroy the economy. Matter of political opinion there. We can let the pundits and the politicians all argue about that. After all, I'm a business person and I'm primarily speaking to business people. The one missing component, though, from the news headlines, because we've all seen the pleas for the restaurants, the impact on waiters and waitresses, and even the efforts for Broadway actors. All good causes, don't get me wrong. People have chosen those as professions or are doing those things to pay the bills. And they do need to make an income, and this has had a huge impact. Now, God help us, the talking heads in the media are also an essential business, and they seem unaffected, which is kind of ironic. However, with nearly 16 million unemployment claims in the first three weeks of the national shutdown, the bastion of Be Your Own Boss, also known as the gig economy, has taken a massive hit, and they don't have the lobbying efforts. They're not don't have their hands out like the airlines and the cruise ships and everybody else to stay afloat. And it's certainly not flowing down to the individuals. As the day of writing this and beginning to research this piece, as well as today's date where I'm recording and releasing on the same day, Lyft was still using the slogan on their own page, Be Your Own Boss. By the way, this is not intended to be a criticism of any particular company. This is an economic discussion. I will cite some specific company policies and statistics in it just as context and fair warning i'm not a professional journalist right anybody who listens to me knows that nor am i an expert on this field i'm a casual observer of economy i track monetary policy as a hobby and i'm a business owner i am a 25 year road warrior and once again we're talking about this because amid the huge banking and airline and potentially even cruise ship bailouts and hotels, it seems that Washington has once again missed the little guy. In this case, yes, I know there are small business loan programs as part of the stimulus package. There's no criticism of that. Certainly some of my clients have taken advantage of that because they qualify to keep things going and keep their people working. But more than any other, not just drivers, but freelancers and gig economy employees, have been hit hard. They don't have any safety net, really. So I started asking questions and digging, and it is truly missing. The gig economy, where the business went, we can really look at with a few personal examples. Okay. The first rule being, when the businessmen go, so does the business in terms of rideshare drivers. Personal case, last year I took nearly 180 flights. I spent over 200 nights in a hotel. That is an average year for me. This year I made a variety of changes, but literally have taken none in the past 45 days. That means beyond the maids, the wait staffs, the front desk clerks, and my friends at the Admirals Clubs and on the planes, who many of which I recognize and know by name, 
you know, and I have relied on those for two decades plus as a road warrior, that also all the Uber and Lyft drivers that I'd begun to replace car rentals with in most major cities, I was a lost client. Now, the issue isn't one less traveler. It's the millions of people like me who are no longer on the road for business or pleasure. And I understand the necessity of that. But without the lobbying efforts, you know, and their CEOs pleading for government money, it's really the drivers that have been lost in this shuffle. And yes, before the chance to eat the rich begin, quite possibly led by one of my partners and my youngest daughter, let's look at one driver's story. Where this entire thought process for episodes began was with a friend of mine. His main income for the previous two plus years had been Lyft. That's what he drove for. He made some other things. He did some odd jobs. But 90 plus percent of his income was as a Lyft driver. And he worked hard at it, just like any business owner. But he painted a rather stark picture. Pre-shutdown, an average day for him was 25 rides. Again, NFL City in a suburb. A good day was 30 rides, and a great one was 35. Prior to all of this happening, his app of choice had lessened incentives. He had more competition for rides. He wasn't getting as many perks, if you will, for taking the short rides. Those are business decisions that his app provider made and that he as a practitioner for them had to decide whether they were bearable or not. That aside, in most cases, it was five to seven minutes to go make a pickup. A good fare was north of $40, and he specialized in certain times a day where he would do airport runs that were closer to 60 plus tip. Now, after paying for fuel and factoring the cost of the car he leased and insurance, and of course, his app of choices commission, He'd make $150 to $200 average day, weekday pay, working a long day, but it was a good income. Kept the wheels on the bus, so to speak, was a decent living for what he did. Let's go with some app facts. Um, Uber, prior to all this at the end of 2019, had a $72 billion market value. In their last quarter in 2019, they had 12 billion in gross bookings, 75 million active riders across the world. And while I'm speaking primarily about the U.S. business, this is a global problem and affects others in other countries. Can't speak to their safety nets, not even going to try and take that on. They are available in 80 countries. They've done 5 billion with a B rides. Over 3 million people drive for Uber, 2 million of which I am told are in the United States. The U.S. alone, Uber fulfills 40 million rides a month, and the average driver earns $364 per month. I don't know what makes up that average driver stat. Some drivers are part-time. They use it to commute to work. There's a number of things that as we talk about driver stats and driver in the business of being a driver that may come out. Lyft, just as a comparison, had $8.1 billion in bookings. They have 35% of domestic market share. They do offer insurance in their case, which is a bragging point for them, of up to a million dollars for the drivers. And the average driver makes $12.53 per ride. And that's in their pocket, pre-tax, of course. So if you look at that, you know, basic economics of being a driver, and then there's the business end of that. 
and how a driver gets paid. Never really stop to think about this until this goes on. But what happens is drivers get paid a base fare. That's the amount the passenger pays to start the ride. They get a cost per mile. That's how much they earn. And it's set on a city rate code based on where your ride starts. Um, every city seems to have a different rate code. I couldn't find publicly disclosed rate codes for any of the major carriers. So don't ask me what they are. I don't know. Maybe drivers do know and can share. Um, and cost per minute. And that's an amount you earn based on the region you're in from where the ride starts. Now, they do sell be your own boss. You still have to pay the man. In this case, I'm not talking about the tax man. Drivers don't get cuts of imposed fees. Okay, what's imposed fees, you ask? Well, the first one is, and this one shocked me, is the service fee. It's the fee the app itself charges to provide the platform to the driver and to the passenger. It's built into the base fare. It's always there, and the driver doesn't get a cut of it. Okay, won't argue ethics or egalitarianism of that one. They don't get paid the event fees. So some facilities charge a fee to pick up there. And the most common example of that would be, and it's not an event, it's a permanent fee, it's an airport pickup and drop-off charges, because, and they don't get a cut of the tolls. And I have no problem, personally, with drivers not getting part of the fees. And I am a taxationist theft guy, so I know you'll see me in hell, right? Also, there's varying circumstances where drivers do or don't get paid the cancellation fees. I couldn't find anything documented. I don't want to just go on hearsay. I will tell you that my own personal experience with cancellation fees has actually been a decent one. If the driver doesn't really show and blows out on you and you know cancels the ride or doesn't pick you up in that four-minute window or whatever the app allows, but they're not in the right place, you rebook right away. I have seen the app companies in both of the major ones do the right thing and waive that fee for me right when I rebook without me even having to complain. Now, if you look through a traditional lens and you stop and think about it for just a minute, this is just like a taxi. Want to know why? Because that's what rideshare is. It's a damn taxi. Yeah, it's a disruptive technology. It's turned the taxi commissions and that model on its head. But at the end of the day, many of these things are just like a taxi. All they did was innovate on a decades-old model that had gotten overpriced. And I will say, outside of New York City, I love yellow cabs in New York. I use them when I'm there, when I'm not on the subway. Taxis in the United States delivered poor service, often spotty. They refused to take credit cards, which didn't work for travelers, or would have a credit card sign in, and the machines were conveniently down. The cars were typically of a low quality and poorly maintained. And I'm looking at you, Dallas, Texas, and Orlando, Florida. You were horrendous, other than one major brand in each of those markets, in the taxi world prior to Uber and Lyft. So you needed Shook Up and a myriad of other concerns. For example, the county I live in, in St. Charles, Missouri, I have literally taken better rides in third world countries after midnight than the cabs I've gotten in my own county. So I stopped using them even years ago because it just wasn't a good experience. And that is where the apps and the drivers really came in and made a difference. How do drivers get their cars, right? If you're riding this, and I'm talking about old banged up taxi cabs, often owned by the taxi cab company themselves, how do you get in a nice new car all the time? Some drivers do own their cars, some lease them outright, some provide their own insurance. But there's another angle where the rideshare companies have learned to profit. Both Uber and Lyft offer programs where the drivers can rent or lease a car from their app provider of choice 
in many cases, have the option of having the insurance included along with the maintenance. Corporate schmucks like me would say the barrier to entry has been taken out of the equation. If you don't have a new enough car and you want to drive, they've got a solution for you. The minimum commitment is seven days. There's no maximum term. And any time after that seven days, in theory, you can turn the car in. And why do I say in theory? Because part of where drivers have been stranded in the economic shutdown is, at least in one of the major app providers' cases, they shut down their depots around the major metros. It's a business decision. You have to make sure your employees are healthy, that they don't get sick, that you're doing the right thing to stop the spread of this. But what happened is part of that is a number of drivers, it was very short notice, whether it was adequate notice, I will leave that to between the drivers and their app provider of choice. But they shut the depots down. So people, as rides declined, as less and less businessmen got on planes, these folks got stuck with their cars. You're going to be your own boss. You're going to run your own business. You're going to take risks. Whether it was an unfair risk, again, I'm not judging, just stating the facts of what had happened. A number of drivers told me what they were seeing was actually even a week or two prior to the official start of shutdowns, they'd seen a decline in business. And even at major industry events, they saw people coming in a little bit later. They saw them leaving a day or two ahead. And I had had a conversation actually with a friend of mine who attended an event in San Francisco. You know, when the mayor declared it um, under a state of emergency prior to any of the official shutdowns, and he said basically people who used to come in for the show on a Sunday and go out on a Thursday or the Friday came in on the Monday morning. They weren't there for all of the Sunday night things and the start of the Monday, and they left at the end of the day, Tuesday, first thing Wednesday. So one case, one example. But if you look at how that impacts, that's a, that was a major conference, you know, 40,000, 50,000 people, hotel rooms, number of rides, people going to events and everything. The impact is really just staggering. Going back to drivers getting stranded with their cars. So as that, those maintenance centers and rental centers shut down, you had nowhere to turn it in, you get stuck with your car. Now, in the beginning, there was no relief for the drivers here. The number of rides, and using my original example of 25 being a good day, a lot of other drivers, and thank you for everybody who reached out to me and had conversations with me, exchanged messages with me, because a lot of what I'm sharing here wouldn't be possible if it weren't for the generosity of people who worked here and have taken their lumps in this downturn. So if I didn't say that enough up front, I certainly do appreciate it. I'm trying to represent your situations accurately, and I hope I'm doing that. So the average person was getting 20 rides a day. You know, One driver I spoke to from Phoenix, Arizona, that, that was his number, and he dropped to nine rides a day. And it was very similar across the board. And what happened is, as the business travelers went down, as other types of travel and people going out and everything that impacted it overall began to decline, what they saw as an average ride of whether it was their personal numbers of 15, 19, 20, 40 rides a day, what have you, started to drop. And it dropped by more than 50% even before the shutdown really began to happen. And after the shutdown, what has happened is, and we talked about that five to seven minute pickup, is some of the folks that are still out there driving because they have no other options, they've been stuck with the car and can't turn them in, they write their unemployment or their stimulus checks haven't come in yet. Um, what they're finding is they're driving now 15 or 20 minutes to pick up a fare. Dropping that fare, 
it's below the average ticket value because people are going to store, they're going to the doctor, they're going wherever, and then driving another 15 or 20 minutes. They're barely, you know, at a break even. Again, they took the risk of being their own boss. You know, not my place to judge what to do in that situation. And one of the things where drivers have reached out to me has been, how can I get help? So I'm going to actually recommend someone else here. Uh, there's a gentleman, uh, the rideshareguy.com, has applying for economic injury disaster loan program up on his website. He lives and breathes in the space. I don't know him. I haven't spoken to him. I just simply found his site in the course of doing some research. He goes through everything on how to apply for unemployment insurance, who to put down, who your employer was, all the way through. Uh, very helpful site. I've sent a couple of drivers that had reached out to me there. They said the information was good, was helpful to them. I hope it is for anyone who's listening that needs to use it. I will add some other resources for drivers in the um, show notes and as well on the blog. And with that, that's really the economics of rideshare drivers and everything else. Now, let's talk about what I missed. I didn't talk about Uber Eats. They have about 15 million deliveries a month prior to this. I, it's too new. Don't have new numbers there. I don't know how they pay. I didn't research that. Any of the food delivery services I left out. I kept this episode focused on rideshare. So we may come back to that one later. Next week, we're going to have another conversation. And it's going to be more traditional. So not app-based, not tech, but the small business owner whether it's the wedding photographer, the dog walker, et cetera. And I'm trying to get a few guests lined up. I've got, I've got one or two that are, I believe are going to say yes. If not, it will be similar to this. And we'll do that episode again for next Thursday. I appreciate everyone listening. I hope this is valuable content. I know it's different than what we traditionally do. I thought it was worth calling out because it was something I didn't see getting addressed elsewhere and people were expressing concerns and fears to me. So thanks for listening. Talk to you on Tuesday with normal content. Be back next Thursday with bonus content. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode. We put out fresh content every Tuesday. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, tell your friends, and share on your own social media accounts. Want us to see what you have to say? It's a BYOB kind of party. Bring your own bow tie. So hashtag bring your own bow tie. Our listeners are important to us. After all, it's you we create this content for. With that in mind, we're doing a mailbag episode once a quarter. If you have suggestions, ideas, or questions you'd like answered, email us at mailbag at bowtiesandbusiness.com. This show is produced, edited, and researched by Courtney Kubiak with the help of her rescue dogs, Tequila Rose and Rooney.